really acknowledge your presence in this place. Thank you so much. I miss you so much. It's good to see you. Can we appreciate this man of God again? Thank you so much. We don't take it for granted at all, man of God. God bless you. Hallelujah. We want to go into the Word. So, um, we've been on a very long series. On what we call the 10 pillars of a disciple's growth. I have explained to you that you don't grow because you are a Christian. You don't grow because you wish it. The desire to marry is not marriage. The desire to paste is not pasting. The desire to eat is not eating. Likewise, the desire to grow is not, is not growth. So that desire must birth a certain effort. Praise God. To make that happen. And we need to understand that there is a rigor. There is a labor from our side that must be invested in coming to the place of growth and maturity. And like we've been explaining, there are certain pillars that help in the solidification of our walk with God, thereby enhancing our relationship with Him in spiritual growth. Praise God. Now, if you've been journeying with us on this series, we set the first pillar of a disciple's growth is what we call obedience-based word mastery. Obedience-based word mastery, we set number two, is prayer, fasting, and solitude. Number three, we said it is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Number four, is Christ-like character, holiness, and right living. Number five is evangelism, soul winning, and discipleship making. Number six, we said it is love and Christian fellowship. Number seven is facing life challenges. Number eight is spiritual warfare. And number nine is Christian stewardship. And that's where we are dwelling for some about four to five weeks now. Now, we came to understand in our teaching on um, Christian stewardship that stewardship is uh, the ability of the Christian or the believer to utilize and manage the resources that God gives to him for the betterment of God's purposes. Are we following this? Now we began to look at certain principles of Christian stewardship based on Matthew 25 and we said the first principle of stewardship is what? The principle of? 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 I can't hear you. Ownership. That means that we own nothing. All things belong to God. Praise God. 
So, the attitude of some people thinking they are owners is why they remain where they are. The second principle is the principle of what? Responsibility. That means we must be responsible with everything that God makes us towards over. The third principle is the principle of accountability which means that we will be accountable for everything that God committed into our care to manage. And number five, number four is the principle of reward. That means that we will be rewarded based on our faithfulness on the use of the things that God gives to us. Now it's very important that we understand these principles because without the understanding of some of these things regarding Christian stewardship, we will not be able to grow as Christians. We said there are five main areas that we are supposed to be good stewards in. We said number one is stewardship of time. Number two is the, the stewardship of your body. Number three is the stewardship of of your money. Number four is the stewardship of of your talent, your gift, your career and your spiritual gift. And finally is what? stewardship of relationship are we getting this and we began to look at the how crucial relationships are a lot of people because they are ignorant have ruined a lot of relationships without knowing the level of damage that they've caused now Remember we said that the first principle of relationship that everybody should know is that we were never created to walk alone. God said to man that it is not good for man to be alone. So if you are the kind of believer who walks alone, you won't go far. In your Christian journey, we were never designed to work alone. To work alone, you will see that principle in the book of Acts. You realize the Bible says, and they continue steadfastly, not an I. They continued in Acts 2, the verse 42, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, prayer, breaking of bread, and in fellowship. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, when the apostles were persecuted, the Bible says they went to their company. And that was when they received comfort under persecution. So, in the book of Genesis, when we see that God said, it's not good for man to be alone, we got to understand that the principle behind stewardship of relationship is that it is not good for any believer to be alone. For I'll make him a suitable help meet. Then we said, in every relationship, hidden is what? Help. So the purpose of relationships is for help. Whichever relationship it is, there's help hidden in it. We said that the greatest commandment that Jesus Christ gave in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 was relationship. 
Thou shalt love the Lord your God. Relationship. And thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Relationship. We said the Bible is a book of relationship. We saw in the book of Genesis that God created man and had a relationship with him. So he communed with him. But man committed high treason and then there was a separation of relationship. And since that time you realize that the Bible says men began to rebel. They began to rebel against each other. And we said that since man's relationship between himself and God was tempered with, now it began to affect man's relationship with man. So in the plan of salvation, God restores our relationship with himself and that serves as a foundation for us to fix our relationship with men. So remember the cross is erected this way and this way to tell us that the death of Jesus Christ restored our relationship with God and our relationship with men. Praise God. We began to look at stewards, uh, uh, stewardship of various levels of relationship that every Christian must be sensitive in. We said number one uh, was uh, the Godward relationship. The first area of relationship you must, you must focus on building is your relationship with God. Because listen to me, without a quality relationship with God, you will easily mess up other relationships. Praise God. We read in James chapter 4, the verse 8, where it says that draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. And we explain the difference between relationship and intimacy. The goal of relationship is to lead to intimacy. And this time around, in, you know, in salvation, it was God that, drew near, that drew near to you by preaching the gospel to you. But to build that relationship, it is you that draw near. That's the principle. So every believer must develop a quality relationship between himself and God because your relationship with God becomes a platform or a base or a foundation upon which you can build other relationships. Last week I shared with you, if you remember, when you read the book of Ephesians contextually, from the book of Ephesians chapter 5, it began to deal with serious relationships. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your own husbands. When you come to uh, the chapter 6, the verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children unto wrath. It tells uh, servants, which are employees, to obey their masters, which is employers. So we realize that right from Ephesians chapter 5 is speaking about relationships. Husband and wife, children and parents, fathers and children, and then employees and employers. Then exactly in Ephesians chapter 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. The verse 12 says that for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, telling us in context that spiritual warfare is actually for the purpose of destroying relationships. 
So Satan's agenda in spiritual warfare, whichever way you look at it, Satan's agenda is to destroy relationships. Are we following this at all? So that tells us, you see, the, the value God places on relationship is the same value Satan places on relationship. That's like God's agenda is unity and love. Satan, Satan's agenda is division and disunity. Are you following that? Because, listen, God knows the power of relationship and Satan knows the power of relationship. They both know. The Bible says one will chase a thousand, two shall chase ten thousand. How much more three? How much more hundred? So, if Satan manages to separate two people who are in God's agenda and calendar, what he has done is that he has mesmerized God's agenda in his kingdom. So the first level was a Godward relationship. Every other relationship you are trying to build outside the maintenance and the sustenance of your relationship with God is a fatality against that relationship. Soon that relationship will crash. Something will happen. Because your relationship with God serves as a strength. It is in building your relationship with God that you are able to have the wisdom to be able to handle other relationships. Are you getting this thing? So listen, so for example, when your relationship with God is well built, God is able to speak to you. God is able to comfort you. It is on the strengthened account on that relationship that you are able to live with your husband or your wife. Are we getting this thing here? So we said the first level or the first um, stewardship of relationship is what we call Godward relationship. If you don't have a relationship with God, you are in a mess. Did you hear that? If you don't have a relationship with God as a Christian, you are in a mess. Number two is what we call spiritual relationships. Spiritual relationships has got to do with kingdom relationships. The relationship between spiritual brothers and sisters in the Lord. Relationship between pastor and the church. The church and the pastor. All these things are what we call spiritual relationships. And it's very vital to understand this because when we don't have a biblical perspective on how to handle spiritual relationships, the devil can destroy a lot. And as part of the principles of building a spiritual relationship, Paul gives us a certain understanding. In Romans chapter 12, the verse 10, he tells us to honor one another. 
Look at that. He says, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in what? Honor preferring one another. Now give that to me in NLT translation. Now look, he says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in what? Honoring each other. Give that to me in message translation and let's see. He says, be good friends who love deeply. Practice what? Playing second fiddle. Look at message translation. Amplified, sorry. He says, love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family. Giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Now, God is telling us that one of the ways we can build spiritual relationships is to learn to honor, esteem one another. Philippians chapter 2, the verse 3 makes it even more deeper in understanding. Now watch that. The Bible says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in what? Lowliness of mind, let each what? Esteem each other, what? Better than themselves. This is an attitude. Let's go back there in NLT translation. Look, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as what? Better than yourself. This is how Christians must live. If you are at a time that always wants to be first, the most important in every conversation, the most preferred, that's immature. When you're around people, praise people more. Am I helping someone here? He says we should esteem others better than ourselves. That's a selfless life. So, we need to understand that God allows spiritual relationships for the purpose of helping each other to grow. In Ephesians 5 from the verse 21, 21 it tells us to submit to one another. Meaning we must not feel big. Serving each other. You know, many of us don't know this thing. How, see, when God appears in this building, eh, he looks in each and everyone's heart. The attitude of your heart really speaks. I'm telling you. I always come for each service with the heart of a servant. Not with the heart of a Lord. I'm telling you. That is why I can tell you an authority. There is nothing in this house that is too big for me to do. The day you ever think you are too big to clean the toilet, then you are too big. 
the day you ever think you are too big to sweep, you are too big. I'm teaching you. You've seen me on several occasions, huh? Playing drums while service is going on. When there's no drama there. Have you realized that? Now, some would have said, Oh, Papa, you're a pastor. You are the head pastor. Leave it for them. Ah, nobody's there now. And I was a former drama. That's where God took me from. This is what I was doing. I was playing drums and a prophet located me and said, you are going to be a prophet. This is where I was. I would never outgrow that place. You see why God will always anoint me? Eh? And God will always bless my ministry. Eh? And God will always use me. It's an attitude. The day I start to feel big that ah, whilst I'm playing the drums, they will say, hey, how can a pastor be doing that? The day I start feeling that way, I'm getting proud. Sweeping? Oh my goodness. Good for me. It's a Christian attitude though. I'm telling you. Because the master was the feet of the disciples. What was he teaching them? He was teaching them that true leadership is service. That means in God's kingdom, if you are unwilling to serve, you can never be called a leader. Am I teaching God? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, we want to explore some few one another commands in the New Testament. So you can write 10 one another commands. 10 one another commands. I had to do an investigation. Okay? on what the scriptures has been saying about one another in the New Testament. I found 10. I don't know if there's more, but I, I ended at 10. That's why I saw. Well, that's the extent to which I saw. 10 one another commands to be able to maintain spiritual relationships. Now, the number one is, the Bible says love one another. So number one is love one another. That's John chapter 13, the verse 14. John 13, 14. Now look. He says, if I then, oh, John 13, 35. Let's see 35. Good. He says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you love one another. So the first one, uh, one another commandment is what? Love one another. Meaning, if you want to build a lasting relationship with the other brother who is in Christ Jesus, he's telling you to love one another. This is a command. And you see, Love is not love until it is tested. 
So you will claim you love the other party until there is a shaking. Something will just a laugh when that Christian brother may offend you. They will truly see whether you love. Hmm. So he's saying number one is to love one another. You know, there are many Christians who smile with people who smile with them. That's not, that's not love. They greet people who greet them. You are not matured. He said, Me, when Jama me child that. If you are cheeky, I'm chica. <laughs> Let the Holy Ghost talk to you. Do you know why he said love one another? Because a time is going to come. That other party will not be lovable. Hmm. I'm talking to those Christians who have hatred in their hearts against other Christians. Jesus has given us a command. That means when you fail to love, you are in sin. I didn't say it. If we go to the book of 1 John, you realize the book of 1 John is mainly about loving. Loving. If, if you don't love, eh, the Bible calls you a murderer. That means you can kill. That's the first command. The second command is to forgive one another. Ephesians 4, the verse 32. Forgive one another. Look, these are simple things though. What I'm teaching you is so basic yet so essential. If you're looking for mystery, this is the mystery. <laughs> Look, be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. I can tell you that many Christians are not practicing this one. The second one, another commandment is to forgive one another. Tell the person beside you, forgive me if I've offended you. You know, right now, uh, maybe I'm sure we must all go around there and tell each other, tell it in case, in case. Because there are people we have offended we didn't know. We didn't know. My God, just in case. You turn to the person at your back. Just in case, in case, I'm sorry. In case, I'm sorry. Tell the person, in case, I'm sorry. Miss Rao. Fat me. Just in case. In case, in case. No, you look, look for another person. Say in case. Just in case. No, just in case. I'm telling you, your utterance, your utterance may have offended somebody and you did not know. And we are living, you see, not every Christian is matured. I'm telling you. And you didn't know you have offended a person. And for two years, the person is offended. 
three months, the person, is, uh, the person has already celebrated one year anniversary of the offense. You will be shocked. That's why I just said, say I'm sorry just in case. Forgive me just in sake, in case. You know, sometimes eh, I, I can I, you know, I can't put my shoes in God's shoes. But at least I can try a little. Yes. And then just act as God. Eh? You know, God is like me and then you are like this pen. That's how small you are. <laughs> then he has forgiven you all your sins. Even he has added future. That means he has made allowance. <laughs> and then you are walking. Me, I won't forgive him. Me. Are way? He will pay. And, and God is like, ah. No, you, you just put your, yourself in God's shoes. <laughs> oh God. God is shocked. You remember the story of the one who was giving, who was forgiving how many talents? Talents? 10,000 talents. How much is it in dollars today? How much? Do you remember? Huh? 3 billion 840 million dollars. That's a calculation in dollars. You can go and check it out. It was for giving 3 billion 340 million dollars. And then he went. Someone was owing him 100 pence. Which is 2 dollars. And he held his neck and put him in prison. And someone had the issue. Obony three billion. Two dollars. Three billion. Billion. Two dollars. And you put him in prison. In fact, you, you even held his neck before putting him in prison. And the, the, one of the servants went to report that the man you forgave three billion has put someone owing him two dollars in prison. The master was shocked. You know what he did? He sent him to prison and left him for tormentors. Go and check it. Tormentors. That means the torment you go through when you live in unforgiveness is incomparable to the liberty you go through when you live in forgiveness. Listen, as long as you are living with humans eh, and not aliens, people will hurt you. In fact, the people close to you will hurt you. If you are looking for people who hurt you, eh, it's not from afar. It's not people you say hi to or bye to. No. Am I teaching well here? Oh my goodness. Forgive one another. Do you know the model of the Lord's Prayer? You know what he said? Forgive us this day our trespasses, even as 
will forgive others their trespasses. Now, I know those of you have now come to Master New Testament. Come and tell me that. No, in the New Testament, we don't forgive like that. In the New Testament, we forgive as Christ forgave. Now, the model there is to make us learn something. It's to make us learn that the level at which we forgive others determines the potency of our relationship with God. That means, if you don't forgive other Christians, it affects your relationship with God. I'm telling you. And number three, one another commandment is live at peace with one another. Romans 12, 16. Live at peace with one another. Romans 12, 16. Live at peace with one another. Now, he says, be of same mind towards one another. Now, actually in context, He's speaking about being at peace with one another. Number four, because of time. Bear with one another's burdens. That's the fourth one another commandment. Bear with one another's burdens. Galatians chapter 6, the verse 2. Look, the Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens. You know what that means? My burden should be your burden. Hmm. You know, there are most of us, if the thing is not about us, it's nothing. We only show forth our, we use our energy towards things that only benefit us. But the Bible is teaching us and commanding us to bear ye one another's burdens. Tell someone, your burden is my burden. You know, even in ministry today, man, I've got ministry sport now. As long as my church is doing well, I don't care about anybody. That's what is happening now. Meanwhile, in heaven, there is no love and grace city church. There is the body of Christ. I have two sons and some other sons. Uh, two of them have their own churches. They are general overseers of churches. There was a time one of them was, a, was going to pay for their venue. The money was not enough. I had to sacrifice to top it up because I can't stand him being sacked. And then we are here. My own money. His church bedding is my bedding. I'm telling you. The church bedding is my bedding. The second one to advise him, he rented the place. The money was not enough. I said, you know something? I'll take care of the rest. It was my last. I sent it to him. Go and pay. Christ. 
Christians today don't know how to bear one another's burdens. I tell people, if someone tells me about, about an issue, I don't have money, I make sure at least a little goes into it. We are to bear with each other's what? Burdens. And these are things God looks out for. So I need to always remind you, sometimes it's not always fasting and prayer. So I've heard people say that, oh man of God, I'm fasting, I'm praying, why am I not seeing some? I am showing you some other things that you should add to your fasting and prayer. Some of us, we are not using God though. We mean business with him. We, we, we just we just love him. So, when I'm fasting and praying, I don't fast and pray only for anointing. I'm telling you. Actually, I don't even fast and pray that for anointing. No. I pray to build a relationship with him. Inside that relationship is anointing. To strengthen the relationship. If my best friend is despite son, I know despite anything, one day you give me a car. One day you buy a house or a land for me. Right? One day. Because once I'm his best friend, he can't see me go through things. I will not need to ask him. He now he realized I need certain things. Imagine God is your best friend. And he owns the cattle upon a thousand hill. Ha! He will bring certain things your way. Am I, am I helping someone here? Mm? Number five. Be patient with one another. Ephesians chapter 4, the verse 2. Be patient with one another. Look, he says, with all lowliness and meekness, look at the emphasis about how we should deal with our spiritual brothers and sisters. He says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, a cherry, right? Having a big heart. He says, forbearing one another in love. You know what it means to forbear? It means have a big allowance in your heart. In expectation of people offending you. Have what? Big allowance. Create a big space. Forbear. Give that to me in NLT. Let's see if it will break it down more for us. Look, he says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another. Making what? Allowance. That's exactly what I said. For each other's faults because of your love. Am I helping you? Number six, honor one another above yourself. Honor one another above yourself. Romans chapter 12, the verse 10. We have read that already. Honor one another above yourself. 
if you're around spiritual brethren and you're always blowing your trumpet, I, I am the most anointed. I'm the most high. <laughs> Just know that you are in error among the brethren. Number seven, accept one another. Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Accept one another. It says, therefore, accept each other just as what Christ has accepted you so that God will be giving glory. Give that to me in KJV. That's interesting. He says, therefore, receive ye one another the same as accept as Christ also received us to the glory of God have you realized there are Christians who only accept those who look acceptable those who dress nice and who put a nice quote on it associate with the right people what's your definition of right So let's assume as a head pastor, if you give me that quote, associate with the right people, who is wrong here? The Bible is teaching us that just as Christ accepted us the way we are, he says we should accept other believers also. Am I helping you? Quickly, number eight. Encourage one another. First Thessalonians chapter 4, the verse 18. Encourage one another. Look, he says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That means there'll be times when the brethren will go through hard times. Hard times and bad times. And the Bible is telling us to comfort and encourage one another. We should be doing that every single time. If you know about a situation you know another believer is going through, maybe the person told you, just sometimes take your phone, call him and tell him, you know something? I'm praying for you. Everything's going to be fine. And whilst you're telling the person you're praying for him, be praying for him. Because that cliche, we hear it every single time. Praying for you. What dakra? Bro, we are holding you in prayer. He's actually holding his bed. Fast asleep. Many people tell me they are praying for me. I look at them with one eye. Papa, we are with you. <laughs> we are praying for you. If you tell somebody you are praying for the person, pray for the person. Ah, it causes spiritual fraud. You know, sometimes people say it just to make a face that you are something heaven will remember this day <laughs> he will show you a video of the lies we are telling to people that we are with you in prayer we are with you in prayer <laughs> you have been hearing that Lord. we are with you in prayer we are helping you but you tell yourself you are just eating some watch a big crowd 
So, you see, the thing is that people will tell you a lot of issues and you tell them, we'll, we'll pray about it, right? <laughs> it's every pastor's language. We'll pray about it. It's not everything we pray about. Because some of the things we forget. We are also human, just like you. Okay, but sometimes we say to encourage you. <laughs> but the Lord reminds us in prayer anyway. What, so, what I came to do is that when someone tells me an issue, instead of saying I pray about it, either I pray with the person on the phone immediately, or when a person hangs up, I pray for the person instantly. The moment I do that, there's something in my heart that is stirred up for me to pray for the person over and over. So if you say you want to pray for somebody, pray for the person what? Immediately. I learned it as a principle in prayer from one man of God. Pray for the person immediately. It can be a short prayer. It can be a five minutes prayer. Pray for the person. Amen? Encourage one another. Everything is going to be fine. You know, there are some people where uh, they may be going through something uh, and they don't have the solution, but they're just looking for someone to just say a word. Tell somebody, say a word. One of my sons in, in, in the ministry, you know, I find it very hard saying son, but he, he said, nah, I should do it. Some years ago, when he started ministry, nothing was working for him. He was down. Some of his brethren were even making mockery of him. He was down. And one of the times he was so broke, he, he was working for two hours and he was asking God, so God, will I remain like this? Listen, huh? let me tell you something. A lot of pastors are suffering. No? It's only few pastors who are enjoying. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. So if you see people saying things about pastors online, please don't join them. I'm begging you. I relate to a lot of pastors. A lot of pastors are bleeding in their hearts. I'm telling you the truth. They are suffering. There's a pastor have to give 100 Ghana or 50 Ghana every week before he can survive. So the day I don't give him, there's nothing he has. don't know what men of God are going through. You don't know. The struggles, financial struggles members are going through, pastors are going through across the world. You let's just limit it to Ghana. Huh? One of your prayer topics eh, is to be that father bless me to bless pastors. No, I know what I'm saying. Bless me to bless pastors. Pastors are bleeding. Especially after COVID. Pastors are suffering. Huh? Even Jesus has Susanna and the rest to support him. It's my prayer that God should raise people personally eh, and bless the work of their hands and their assignment is to take care of the pastor. No, I know what I'm saying. It's to what? Take off the pastor. Listen, if you are genuinely doing the work of God, you shouldn't wake up in the morning and thinking of how you're going to get fuel to come to church. If you are genuinely doing, you shouldn't wake up in the morning thinking of what, what is my wife and my children going to eat? And yet that's what a lot of pastors are going through. How can you prepare a sermon? 
that person laughing, you saw a seed today. <laughs> you saw a seed. And you wake up in the morning. There's no fool. You're always believing God. Your shoes are old. And you keep wearing it. People think that uh, you are, it's deliberate. <laughs> you don't know this. See, one, per- one group of people you should be praying for every day is pastors. There's a pastor who, who, who confessed that he had to compromise. He has to sleep with someone to get money. And you say that, mm, man of God, this is off. 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 Really? If you were praying for pastors, see, if you criticize pastors and you don't pray for pastors, eh, it's not fair. I'm telling you because some pastors are under pressure. Under pressure. I don't know why I'm even dwelling here. Listen, hey, may God bless everybody in this ministry Amen. to take care of your pastor. Amen. I'm telling you. Also, one time, one of the ministers, ministers told me that, oh, um, one of the uh, brethren in the house bought a shoe for him on his birthday or something. I was so excited. The people doing the work, you have to help them so that they love the work that they are doing. Me, huh? if money comes into my hands, 100 people will rejoice. Yes. So if you are blessing me, you are blessing others through me. That is me. So any blessing you give to me, oh, that was one time I received a seed. I didn't open the envelope. The moment I received the seed, someone came. The Lord says, after sharing an issue, I said, take it. I didn't even open it. So listen to me. It should be one of your prayer topics. You see, when you pray such prayers like, Father, bless my finances that I can be able to bless men of God and make their work easy. These are the prayers we are talking about. Not, Father, give me a, a job so that I can be able to uh, 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 buy a land or be, uh, build a house. It's a good thing, no? but I'm telling you, the main agenda is kingdom. God blesses people to bless his kingdom. Am I teaching good at all? So, the man of God, why are you dwelling here for long? <laughs> I must dwell there. Hmm? I must dwell there. Because when people get past us, the way they, they munchum them, eh? thieves all over. Lazy men. Lazy. Me and Lazy and Kamatron 19 books. You know the number, the number of hours I spend a day. You work eight hours. No, I don't spend eight hours. More. My whole day. My whole day. I'm telling you. Not every pastor is lazy. Some are sacrificing. That's why I said it should be your prayer that God bless me to bless men of God. The man who has been blessing me monthly, he has close to 16 pastors on his payroll. 
16 pastors on his payroll. 16. Every month, there's one of the branches of his business. The profit is for pastors. He doesn't touch it. I'm like, who gave this man this inspiration? He has about five branches. One branch, the profit is for pastors. Listen, if you are enjoying 2,000 Ghana Cedis alive, don't be happy. You Trust God. Tell, tell, tell God, Father, I trust you for more. Say it, Father, I trust you for more. To advance your kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Encourage one another. Encourage your pastor after Sunday service. Pastor, I was blessed by your teaching. Such a powerful word. Even if it was not powerful, you just say it's powerful. <laughs> but is it powerful? <laughs> All right, that's right. That's right. Encourage the pastor. Encourage the ministers. He leads prayer. You were blessed. Oh, I was, I was really blessed by the prayer he led today. It was very powerful. The short sermon you shared, it was very powerful. Let's encourage one another. Encourage the technical department. They are doing a good job. Oh yeah. And these are things that inspire people to do more for God. Am I teaching good at all? Encourage. There's one of you, you were sending me messages every Sunday after I was done preaching. It's been, eight, it's been one year, four months, you've not sent it. Yeah. He knows, he knows it. He knows that he's the one I'm talking to. He was doing it every Sunday. He stopped. He didn't know that what he was doing was a powerful thing. I mentioned his name. He stopped. Listen, this thing is a serious matter. Encourage this man. Your administration was a blessing. God bless you. Encourage this man. Encourage, encourage them. You know, you don't know the power of words. The power of words. We are with you. Just send, Pastor, we are with you. You know, sometimes it's discouraging to be in this space. You don't know. When nobody appreciates it, they say it's in their heart. Pastor is a very powerful man in my heart. This man can teach you in my heart. I'm waiting for the right time. What if God blesses you in the next 10 years? It will be in your heart. Yeah. One day, one day, maybe a day, this man is very down. And he feels, listen, this thing is a struggle. I can't. Then he sees your message. Man of God, you are such a blessing. Your ministry has really blessed me. Anytime you lead worship, I just have goosebumps all over my body. Do you know what it's going to do to him? It's going to give him hope that, ah, so my ministry has blessed someone. Compliments about blessedness in my sermons. I get it more from outsiders. Yeah, I'm telling you, every single day, an outsider will send a, a message. Your message is transforming me. It has changed my marriage. It has done this. It has done that. It has done this. It has done that. Yeah, I'm teaching you something. And sometimes it encourages me 
Because I know there are people out there who are waiting every Sunday to hear me. Encourage one another. Tell someone, be an encourager. Be an encourager. Go so comfort. Encourage us. What we are doing. Don't assume everybody here is an angel. There are some of you who are very emotional people. You don't know. But when we all come to church, we're all smiling, so you don't realize it. You don't know. The people who seem to be strong more on the outside are the weakest more on the inside. Yeah. Encourage someone. Today, eh, think of three people. In fact, let's do it now. When we come to hear the word of God, we must practice it. Write down five names of people you are going to encourage today. Write it now, today. What's the essence of hearing the word of God and we don't practice it? Write five names down. Your friend who told you a challenge or one of your friends who is going through something tough. It can be your wife. It can be your husband. Fine, the person is here. Yes, she can say, Pastor, see, I'm kind to me. It's fine. You just, it's part of the practice. But write the names of five people that you're going to encourage today. You will tell them that your life has been a blessing to my life. I love what you're doing. The Lord bless you. The person may be here even listening to the same. It doesn't matter. It's, it's at least, it's a good start. It can be your friend outside, it can be your colleague at work. But encourage somebody. A colleague who is also a Christian who told you about some marital issues. Tell him that from today you decide to pray five minutes for him. Don't say I'm praying for you because you have not started yet. But you're going to encourage somebody. It can be a simple word of encouragement. Especially somebody you know is going through a hard time. Are we following this thing? All right, number nine. Teach one another. Romans chapter 15, the verse 14. Teach one another. Teach one another. He says, I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to teach or admonish one another. So our lives must teach each other. We must learn to teach others. Yesterday, um, my wife was taking care of a baby girl and then she started crying. When she consoles her, it goes, she's crying again. He said, this girl will kill me. I said, no, you won't die. I corrected her immediately. Then he said, sorry, I won't die. What did I do? What did I do? I taught her. Listen, you are supposed to, the Bible says that we should be oracles of Christ. An oracle is one who talks for Christ. So what Jesus would have said to the person, say it. 
He says we should teach one another. If somebody makes a wrong confession around you, correct the person. You are with a Christian brother. He says, hey, so, so this Christianity crying, yes, 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 what you have just said eh? you have offended Jesus Christ upon all the things he has done upon all the things he has done for you you are supposed to be in the mood of thanksgiving despite what you are going through then you encourage him that the fact that you are a righteous man does not mean you don't go through affliction many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him from out of them all you dish the person immediately that's how we admonish one another we teach one another. So, as we close, somebody made a negative confession. Or, let's assume, the moment we close, somebody forget the, forgot the sermon. Okay? Because some of you forget the sermon. So, the person forgot the sermon. And then, um, maybe something happened and the person unknowingly acted in a certain way that was not right. He said, no, you know, the teaching was about relationship. Let's keep godly relationships. Or the scripture bono. If the person listens, fine. If he doesn't listen, fine. At least you have what taught the person. I feel like committing suicide. Teach the person. You don't say, I'm with you, brother. <laughs> listen, let me advise you. If you're the type of believer, when people share negative things they're going through, you also add your negative thing to it. Stop it. It's evil. No, I'm training you. It's not a good thing. The person says, right now, my life is shattered. Your life is shattered. Mine is crumpled. <laughs> wow, yours is crumpled. I've not eaten two days. Two days. I've eaten five days. <laughs> the person makes negative comments. You also make negative comments. Now do they not cancel any day? No. So uh, affliction contest. You you. It's like you want to see who is more afflicted. <laughs> I'll show you the me. I'm in more trouble than you. <laughs> See, it's a very bad attitude, though. I'm telling you, that's why God teaches us to say it is well in every condition. It is well. Tell somebody it is well. The Bible says, which of you, by worrying, can add a single cubit to his height? It is divine for someone to share his pain while you are going through pain. You leave your pain aside and you're encouraging the person. It is divine. Maybe yours, God has given you grace to go through it. So you have what it takes. But that person is weak in the faith. Hold on to the person and encourage him. Say, hey, you're going to be fine. Meanwhile, you're not fine. It's an attitude. Am I teaching you something good today? So teach one another. Tell someone, I will teach you. So our lives 
should be teaching people every single time. Our life should be an example. Sometimes you teach people not only through your words, you teach people through your actions. Hallelujah. Number 10, serve one another. Galatians 5.13. Serve one another. Galatians 5.13. Look, he says, For brethren ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but in love do what? Serve one another. So we're supposed to be serving one another. Listen, when we understand this, eh, you don't need to be an usher to serve. Yeah. I was in a program at that time and people were falling. The people who were around them were looking at them. And one lady fell in the chest. Her head hit the plastic and and the guy was standing there. Why? He's not an usher. He's not a protocol. The Bible says generally we are all ushers. We are all servants. We are supposed to what? Serve one another. I've gone to a church and I was an usher there. They didn't know I was a pastor. I went to sow a seed into a man of God's life. And when the power of God was released, people were falling down. And the people who were close to me were falling. I don't want them to get hurt. If it was my sister, I wouldn't be happy. Oh, sister T. Paya, we need And I was an usher. So we are supposed to serve one another. Sometimes you come to church early as a minister, you're in your suit and your tie, and you realize something was not right. Take off the suit and serve. These are things God checks. He checks it. He checks it. I'm telling you. Serve one another. Are we good to go here? Let's do this quickly so that next week I'm going to talk about the 10th one and then we'll be done with 10 pillars of a disciple's growth. There's a next one following. Are you ready for it? You know, you know, you know the, the title? What? I thought we were being prophetic. I'm going to share the, the new theme uh, tomorrow. Sorry, next week Sunday. So now quickly, we said number three was marriage relationship. We've done a lot on, on that, right? Number four is parental relationship. We've dealt with that, right? Number five is social relationship. That's your relationship with your boss and other people, right? We've dealt with it, right? Um, number six, which is the final one under it? It's what we call divine relationships. Very, very important. Divine relationships. Let's do this quickly in 10 minutes. Divine relationships. So, question, what are divine relationships? Divine relationships are relationships that God ordains and orchestrates in his will and plan for the accomplishment of his purposes. They are the relationships that God orchestrates and ordains in his purpose and plan to accomplish his purposes. Divine relationships.
Listen, as a Christian, eh, there are some people that you must meet for certain things to change in your life. God ordained certain people specially for you that you are supposed to meet. That one, eh, those relationships, they come by prayer. Yeah. They come by what? Prayer. Hmm. They come by prayer. So, there are those people that God deliberately orchestrates, okay, for you to meet them. And those people are part of where you are going. You must meet them to be able to go where you are going. If you don't meet them, there are certain things you can accomplish without meeting them. Are you following this thing? Yes. We call them divine relationships. Father Nash and Abel Clary were prayer partners. It was in the midst of prayer they both met each other. And they all died in prayer together. That's a divine relationship. God connected them through the power of intercession. Moravian brothers, it was God that brought them together. For them to meet. And they prayed in one hour shift systems of prayer. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for 100 years. Every single day, 24 hour prayer. Continuously for 100 years. That's a divine relationship. There are people you meet, eh, your, ministry is, your ministry will turn around. May God open divine relationships for you. I said, may God open divine relationships for you in Jesus' name. What others will call divine helpers eh, is what we call divine relationships. May God give you divine helpers in Jesus' name. Are we blessed? All right, so let's do this in five minutes. Measuring godly relationships. As for today, I must finish. Measuring what? Godly relationship. Now, now there is a young stick by which we measure if a relationship we have with a person must continue or not. And I, I need to teach some of you today because some of you are into all kinds of relationships that is bringing you backwards. Now, how do you measure a godly relationship? Number one, you use this test. How well has the relationship strengthened your relationship with Christ? How well has the relationship strengthened your relationship with Christ? That's the first way you measure a godly relationship. Or a relationship that must remain. There are some of you who don't have business with certain kinds of relationships. You have no business with certain people. How well has that relationship strengthened your relationship with Christ? You need to use that as a test. Number two, how much of God is in your conversations with the other person? How much of God is in your conversations or how much of God comes up in your conversations? 
There is a verse that I found in the book of Malachi chapter 3, which I think every believer should now take very serious. I didn't know that even our casual conversations, God listens to it. Relations you have with people. Eh? If you are one who fears God, God is interested. Malachi 3.16 From today, be careful. Eh? When you are talking on phone at midnight, I tell a person that, uh, please, show me your breast. Show me a picture. <laughs> Can I see a naked picture of you? Look. Then they that fear the Lord speak often to God, eh? To God? No, to who? One another. And the Lord hekined. Do you know what that means? Eh? It means you can be talking to your friends and say, Charlie, I really need money for missions. God can answer it just by talking to you if you fear God. He says, God hekined and what? Heard it. And the book of remembrance was written before, before him for them that fear the Lord. And that thought upon his name. Listen, God hears conversations we have with other believers. So if you are talking ill about another believer, say it legally. Make sure you are justified to say what you are saying. So, the measure is how much of God is in your conversations. Most of the time, by the time I'm talking to people, I'm asking them, how's your spiritual life? How's your spiritual life? I'll ask. I'll ask. How's your spiritual life doing? Number three. How well has the relationship influenced your pursuit of God? How well has the relationship influenced your pursuit of God? Let's do it quickly. There are some, their relationship rather influence them to pursue women. I'm telling you. There are some friends, by the time you finish talking to them, last has gripped over you. You want to do things. You want to be wild. You just want to be wild. Be watchful. I'm telling you, this should be a test. Use this to measure. As I'm speaking to you, measure all the kinds of relationship you are into right now. Measure it. How is it influencing your pursuit of God? Most of the time, by the time I'm done, by the time people have encounters, meet me, oh, something will stay up in your heart. You want to pursue God because that's what I'm doing. Number four. This is also very important. I'm sure someone says, so man, man of God, so he, he, everything must be spiritual. Everything must be spiritual, man of God. So what if um, I have a good friend on campus and then he's part of my group, group assignment. So I should use this one too to measure him. <laughs> Number four. How well has the relationship met certain vital needs in your life? 
how well has the relationship met certain vital needs in your life when i say needs i'm talking about number one emotional needs psychological needs spiritual needs and physical needs how well has the relationship met certain vital needs in your life and when i'm talking about needs i'm talking about emotional needs psychological needs spiritual needs and physical needs let me give you some few examples love concern care encouragement help counsel correction rebuke shaped character so ask yourself all these things since this person entered my life or since I entered this person's life how many needs have the person met for me emotionally, mentally, psychologically, spiritually how much of love has he shown to me how much of care has he shown to me how much of encouragement has he shown to me how much of counsel have I received from him advice, correction rebuke, how much has my life and character been shaped in that relationship it can also be a measurement for boyfriend and girlfriend relationship oh yes So I'm not just talking about the, the, the spiritual area. I'm talking about psychological needs, emotional needs. There are people, if you are emotionally broken, they'll be there for you. Those are powerful relationships. Physically, they'll tell you, listen, I have some money, be there. You, let me just give it to you to solve the issue. When you are done, you can pay back. Ha! Huh? No matter who you are, you will need money one day. <laughs> you will need money one day. Listen, huh? even Ghana is borrowing money. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Thanks to Mama and Akufu. <laughs> huh? No matter who you are, one day, one day, you say, Charlie, give me some money, I'll pay back. I, no matter how spiritual you are, you ask for money. <laughs> Me, I never beg. Uh, I have never begged. It's only Bishop David, only Paul that can say that. And we thank God for his life. I have never begged. I will never beg. Or come back <laughs> But tell somebody, but there's a way. There's a way. I've collected money from my wife, I never paid back. <laughs> <laughs> When she asked me, I said, I'm the lost anointed. <laughs> Amen. 
let's conclude. It's even raining. Thank God. <laughs> Someone just watch me. Just one minute. I did my own. So I'm done. Okay. So every relationship is built and maintained on four foundations. I'm just going to state them. Because today I want to finish with stewardship of relationship. Every relationship can be built and maintained on four foundations. Please, if you want to build and maintain any relationship, it must be built on this, on this four. Whether marital relationship, relationship with the brethren, uh, parental relationship, all these things must be built on four foundations. Are you ready? Number one is trust. 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 Don't lose the person's trust. There are some of you, you inflated certain figures since that day have never been trusted again. The thing was 500. You said 650. And the person did the investigation without telling you. And since that time, the person looks at you twice. Trust. Listen, don't lose the trust of people. It's very important. It's very important. Please, are you here with me? It's very important. Trust. Be reliable. There are some of it was only one lie that destroyed that relationship. Since that time, you can't be trusted again. Just one lie. I'm at Kokomlemle. But actually, you were at Insawam. And the person did an investigation and realized that you are at Insawam. You have spotted a relationship. The person may never tell you. Trust. Trust. When you break trust, then it's difficult. When you break your wife's trust for you, you cheat on your wife. The person may forgive you, but to restore trust again, it will take a very long time. Four times! Because he needed me to do something for him. Four times. We call it sacrifice. It's called what? Sacrifice. Most of you, we have uh, most of workers here who are working together with me. To keep this relationship, you have to sacrifice. I'm telling you. Because there are days I need you people around. So we can be able to put things together to build the kingdom. If everybody saying has, he has an excuse, we can't build anything. It is built on sacrifice. This man has three children. Oh. Three children. Yes, he's almost the first to come to church every day. You think it's a joke? Yes. Three kids. With a wife. Almost the first every Sunday to come to church. If something comes up, 
he will send me a text. If you don't see this man, he has sent me a text message already. Same as this man. Sent a message in advance that this and this is the issue. Something came up, he couldn't get a car today because he's giving out his car for the wedding. He couldn't get a car from home. On, once he got to um, Akramor, he called me that this and this will happen. So he's almost, he'll be here very soon. He's very sorry. Sacrifice. And many don't know that. You know that sometimes you can hurt me and I'm still smiling. Oh, you don't know. You can hurt me and I'm still smiling. Because I must be matured. If you're a pastor and you're emotional, you can't go far. That's why God has emotions, but it's not emotional. He can be grieved. And many don't know that sacrifice is part of relationship building. Your friend got sick, you never visited him. Your brother was in tough time, you never bought them to check up on him. It's called sacrifice. Sometimes in bad time, eh, you have to sacrifice your money for that person because he needs it more. And hear me, that person will never forget it. He will never forget it. And listen, you see, you don't know, you see, today, you are this way. The tables can change tomorrow. And you will need that person. But because of the sacrifice you did, it will pay off. I'm telling you, Sacrifice. Sometimes people's funerals, you have to travel together with them to Kumasi, to Koforidia, just to maintain certain relationships. It's painful. By the time you are back, you are broke. It comes along with it. Please, am I helping someone? So listen, most of you eh, lost certain sensitive, strategic. Have you ever been with somebody that you didn't know was going to become great? You took it for granted. And the best person became great. Now you can't call him. Have you been there before? May you never come to that place because it's very painful. You were once eating the same bowl. Now you can't call the person. Listen, let me tell you, when you're working with people who design, design people, you can see greatness. You can see. You can see goodness in people. There are people, they are just good. They are just good people. They are good. When you are around them, you, you, you are okay. Don't lose such people. Sacrifice to keep them. It's rare to find good people in these days. So when you get one, sacrifice for it. I've seen people who deleted people's numbers because they, he sent a message and a thin tick blue. Eh? And they were offended the person didn't reply back and they deleted, deleted the person's number. Oh, yes. You can go far. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So they are angry that, hey, hey, now, me, me, shut up texting go first out. Let me text you. Boom, delete, and I block. You don't know. You, you see, most of you have trivialized these things. Professor Akodia will never reply any message you send, but it will take blue. Sometimes you send a long message, appreciate and honor him, and you send two. God bless you. 
all what I wrote, including the questions I was asking. God bless you. You see, <laughs> now I can be an automated, automated response crowd. No, you see, you see, I'm teaching you something. Most of you are sports those relationships because you are petty. Hey, my spiritual father, also his prophet, Achumanasi, man of God, I can call this man ten times. You can pick. Then I'll say, these fathers that have come there, they don't mind saying so. <laughs> These fathers are my parents. They don't feel sons. Need be more sons. They bread bread. Ah, I'm best stars. I don't pay. You don't know. You don't know. And that's how many of you lost certain relationships. He's not picking up my call. He's not replying my text messages. Huh? There are certain people, if God graces you and you are close to them, eh? when they offend you, you should apologize. <laughs> you don't get what I'm saying? I'm sorry that you... <laughs> I'm sorry you offended me. I'm sorry. <laughs> God forgive me that you offended me. I ask for forgiveness from God that you offended me. Hey! Finally. Okay. Third is love. Number three is love. As for love, we've spoken about everything and even for my namesake. So let's move on. Number four is Anna. Number four is what? Anna. Yesterday at the wedding, or something I said, there's no human being who rejects Anna. When you're talking to somebody, the hands are at the back. There's something inside you that just likes it. You can say, Mia, I don't really like it. Hey, Ope, Mr. <laughs> when people greet you and they kneel down, you say, oh, no, get up, get up. That's how you must do because you must do it so that it doesn't get into your head. But everybody likes it. Even the person saying that, ah, who is she for people to know that? Why should pastor enter and everybody rise up on his feet? When you go home and people rise up on their feet, you don't like it. <laughs> it's Anna. Those times my father my mother had to teach us how we should honor my father when my father comes home. So when my father comes home, we all go and meet him. Carry his brief, briefcase. It's Anna. You can imagine, I am the one providing food in the house. Eh? Then I go, I'm tired. I've come in the day. Then you are watching uh, a season movie. Then you are there. Hey, daddy, Baba. Akwaba. It's a principle of Anna. So we have to stop whatever we are doing. One will open the gate, one will wait for my daddy, one will carry the briefcase, and then we'll accompany him to the house, to the bedroom. It's a principle of honor because he's the head of the house. 
And it's a protocol to make him feel that, ah, he has people that respect him for all the sweat and the hard work. Me, I said I didn't like it when people rise up. They said, the, the, Pastor Moses said we'll do it. When we come, we have to all get up. It's the same. It's a principle. If you want to build certain relationships and learn to respect each other. There are some of you don't respect the relationship you're in. Can you imagine people going out? They're in a relationship. They're going to get married. No respect. You have friends. The only the foundation for the relationship is insult. That's the foundation. Oh, I've seen someone were on campus in the hostels. Ah, abu abey, abu aketwa. And they say, "Where Jimmy? Oh, he says, 'Who's where Jimmy? Oh, ah, Ebeshia. Why? That's it. In the hostels, that's how you. That's how the relationship was. Insult, 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 insult. No, Anna." See, as a pastor, the way I respect you people, you have no idea. I respect every soul in this house. And heaven knows. I don't take anybody for granted. Whether you are rich or you are not rich. I don't have special treatment for anybody. It's a principle called honor. Respect. In high esteem. I knelt down to beg my wife before. It didn't reduce my height. Please, are we following this thing? You see, so many of us don't know this thing. We, we don't reduce when we honor. Your boss just spoke to you wrongly. So since that day, you come to work, you don't greet him. That's what you do to your head. Then come and pass over your colleague. You pass by your colleague. Why? Because uh -huh, who does he think he is? You pass by your colleague. Then you go. Listen. Let's not be petty. Eh? Let's be matured. All these things are signs of babyhoodness in you. You are immatured. You are baby. You are baby. When people don't greet you, you greet them. Hey, when I was fasting 40 days, there was a group of priests from Anglican that came to do the fasting. I shouldn't have mentioned it. That was something I was going to say. Should I say it? No. Because I mentioned it, I don't say it. So, in the morning, I was on, I think, 21st day. And I just went there. I saw them talking in the groups. So I didn't want to bother them. And then I passed by. When I was passing by, one of them said, Good morning. I said, Oh, good morning, sir. Please. I didn't know you were in conversation. Then he squeezed his face, he turned his face. <laughs> Not knowing, they were expecting me to greet them. I didn't know. Listen, that thing, eh? Learn it. Greet people. You don't know them. Pass by and greet them. Good evening. It's nice. Good evening. Good afternoon, sir. It's nice. Greet people. Tell somebody, greet people. You may be greeting them 
the next president of Ghana. You may be greeting him. You may be greeting the manager of the company that you are entering into. Eh? And you enter. I'm looking for Mr. McIntosh. They said, he's the one outside. They said, hey! <laughs> hey! I've lost my job. You are coming for interview and he's the one there. Unfortunately, maybe he's a rich man. He's wearing t-shirt and khaki. And he thought he was a cleaner in the house. He passed by. You know, many of you have closed certain doors like that. These are practical things I'm teaching you. Until whilst you are praying for favor, I'm teaching you about how to keep relationships. Anna people. Tell somebody, Anna people. Because the person you may be angry may be a friend to a friend to a friend that will help you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, next week you're going to do the final pillar. Then we're going to deal with the next one. your head and just pray and ask God to help you to be a good steward of relationships. Thank you, Father. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.